Five, four, three, two, one. July the second, two thousand and one. Interview with William Polly Perkins, nineteen forty-three Premiership player, by Rhett Bartlett. If I hear what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because I'm slightly deaf. Is that on? Yeah. By the way, thank you for the cup of tea and the uh, sandwich. <laughs> thank you. Can I just firstly ask, please, where were you born? In Leicester, England, in nineteen twenty. Have you been back? Big. Yes, I went over there in 1972 when I went to Germany to see my son Daryl. It's the boy out of there. We represented uh, Australian Olympic Games. In 72, we went over to Western Germany where he was. And then we turned around and through, I went, went for a week over to England. Didn't go to Leicester, I went to England to have a look around there for a week. And we went back to Munchenglad back and Daryl took us for a two-week tour around Italy, Spain, everywhere. So we had a very good trip. So I haven't been to Leicester though, England. Alright, so I haven't been back to Leicester. No. Okay, but you've been back to England. England in 1972. Has it changed much since you went I wouldn't know. I was only, <laughs> like, I was only about... I, I arrived here, I was only just, just turn one. Okay, so the next year you came to, to Australia? I mean, 1920, when we yeah. came over here, Dad and Mum and um, brought uh, Bertie, my brother, myself, and all of our sister. Then they sat in Noble Park for the rest of our life until we got married. Yeah. So that was in 1941, I married Nancy, and we're still together. 60 years is coming up still this year. That's, going, that's not bad. 60 years? Yep. Do a lap of honour at a don't, don't, don't ask the question why. What? <laughs> or no, how? No, next question. Oh, or no. how? <laughs> I won't. I won't. Can I ask what your parents did for a living? What your parents did for a living? Father's name was Frank Henry. Yeah. And mum, pretty Mabel, came to the other Mabel, I think, yeah. 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 And they brought us out here, and dad um, eventually got. Mum wanted us to go to Adelaide and stay in Adelaide. Mum was a strength of the family in a lot of ways. Dad said, no, we're going to Melbourne. So thank God we did come to Melbourne and settle down because in those particular times there was a lot of industry in Adelaide, building, motor car and that type of thing, and Dad would better come there. But he was a, a, a bootmaker when he worked in England. He came to work in Bedgwood here in Richmond for many years, and Perry's. I was in, in um, Collingwood. Got still there, I gather. Uh, no. So he's, um, well, he passed away on in 70, but he was 77, but he went through a very big depression in 1929 to 1934, and uh, they were things were very, very tough for him then, and probably had to work for three years, and had to go on the sustenance, and they put down a big grain down in Carrum, the Carrum grain, used to work behind a sledge with a two horse and dig the grain with a scoop, pretty tough. Where did, where did the name Polly come from? Because where did the nickname Polly? Being born in England, yeah. there was a song that sang over there many, many years, and the song was Pretty Polly Perkins really? from Paddington Green. And that went on for years and years. And Molly Fleming, who was secretary in those days, turned around and Hector Lacey was the sporting club editor. And uh, Molly gave him a story about Pretty Polly Perkins from Paddington Green. And it's stuck ever since then. So there was a Polly about before Polly Farmer, wasn't it? <laughs> Do you remember how the song went? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, he's not the same age, I don't know about that. But no, that was, um, yeah, we come, as I said, that's what happened. That's it. Murray Fleming brought that up and the way it went from there. Yeah. So did you know the song yourself? Did you know the song? Yeah, did you know the song? Yes, we were the singer. My father could sing that when. When we were up at Noble Park, he built the home there himself and right. helped his brother. And uh, we built the home there and we stayed there and said we got married. And then mum and pa, dad died in 70 and mum went up to uh, Queensland with his sister living in the 80s. And the place was pulled down or sold it and pulled down and built a couple of like, brick homes on it. Caught a lake, a block of land. Yeah. Very tough times at Freshen, eh? People say things are tough now. They don't, they don't even know what the tough this is. Thing we went through, wouldn't be having butter on your sandwiches and you wouldn't be having a ham. 
and you wouldn't be having cake for afternoon tea or morning tea. And then about morning, Saturday morning, Mum would go up to Downing on a Friday. <coughs> she was being bloke up at the Savaloys. We'd have the Savaloy and a piece of bread, that's all it was for lunch on a Saturday. So things are really tough. Now, that, that Polly Perkins song, do you still know the words? Not all of it, no. <laughs> Can you sing I, any of it? I, I, I can't. I, know, I used to sing a song called, um, I used to sing it a couple of times here in front of the, front of the um, after game shows. I sang, and Night Football reminds me of that song we used to sing. Oh, gee, it's right after being out late, walking my baby back home. I'm in Armour, Meadow and Farm, walking my baby back home. That's, that's what Night Football reminds me of, walking your baby back home over Meadow and Farm. <laughs> no, I don't know the one about uh, pretty Polly Pigs and Penny Green. Probably go too long. I'd run out of breath. <laughs> There's probably got probably got 14 verses or something oh, like that. Because they often sing it. It's that pretty Polly Pigs. I said, yeah. where'd you get the name from? I said, oh, playing football. And come from England, actually. Mm. But I only heard that probably in 1939. I went there in 1938 when they had the March Champions. I never made the grade. Mm. I went there in 39 on Major Graydon, stayed here till 1950. I went to Brighton and coached in 1950, three years, and then I uh, coached a junior side another three years. Yeah. And then I joined 3AW in 1956 and stayed there for 29 years, uh, doing a football commentary and working with the, the gentleman of radio, Norman Banks, Billy Jacobs, and Harry Lister, Hardy Lister, and uh, Doug Hayward, he's very good boy too. And Mr. Michael took over later, but no comment. <laughs> That's fine. Did you sing many, when you played football for Richmond, did they have many songs to sing after the game at all? Or when you went on Tiger, only Tiger's Tiger song. Yeah. But when... What, you mean Tiger, you mean... Uh, not when I was playing, I never had those songs, never sung those songs. Okay. They sung them probably, where well, the song you had to sing with my hat on one side after the game. Chap from... Poolong in Gippsland, Terry Fitzpatrick at a hotel, they brought back a chap named little Dan, Lenny Boyd, Danny Boyd, and he used to sing that song, with my hat on one side, what have I here, this is my nicky nacky new, this is my nose ripe, I believe it's really box. and we used to sing them after the game, or had something in social shows, but we didn't sing the songs like they sing now around the group, when we won we'd probably go and have a shower and have a couple of, uh, one, doesn't well be between 18 of us. Richmond beer too was. Yeah. Wasn't much of beer. And we'd probably go and get another dozen somewhere else and slide right and have a drink. Was the Richmond beer nice? Richmond beer? Yeah. We'd paddle the ball because it was, it was a liquid. That was all right. We had some wonderful times down there. What was your favourite song that you would sing? Did you have a favourite song? We used to sing Home on the Range years ago. I'll give me a home where the buffaloes roam. That's something, but I can't remember them now. But you wouldn't sing that at all, well, would you? Used to, I used to have a list of songs I used to sing when I was coaching at Caulfield and driving to sing a song down there. Beautiful, beautiful brown eyes. That's a very popular one. But I like the good songs of it. I used to mag a bit, though. That was all right, because you can talk. Not to say I can play football. <laughs> Did you play football as a kid? Yeah, I played in Noble Park when I was 16 in open competition. Yeah. Played in the Dandong district competition, Fanby Gully, uh, Model Grove, not Model, Fanby Gully, um, Barania, Emerald up there in Packham, where the big men were, mm -hmm. Timbers. What's that for? Eat it. I'm not eating while I'm talking. Oh, oh you're more than welcome. No. I am, oh, sorry. It'll keep all right, don't worry about that. If you want to eat, just say, if, if you no, want, you're free to eat. No, I'm, I'm going to do my job and do it best I can to my ability. So, yes, I played junior football in Noble Park when I was 16, but no, I played senior football. And I and I think I mentioned the fact how I got signed by Richmond in that level about four big gentlemen walked down our homemade footpath in Noble Park where I lived. My mother said to me, what have you been doing? Building this four policemen at the front door. Big blokes in dress suits, uh, a big Buick car, driven by Perth Bentley, 
We had Mary Fleming, secretary, Jack Smith, treasurer, Lou, Rob Lou Roberts has, he had, he had the Richmond Chronicle, Lou Roberts, and first met me, they come to sign me up with a form for at that time. That's when the mum said, it's some at the front door, that's when I was sick, I was in trouble. And they signed me up with a form full in October, and I won the best player on the ground in the final, again down and got the football presented to me, still got in there and I'm going to have a bounce later. Is this for Noble Park you're talking Noble about? Noble Park, yeah. yeah. And I had that given me, and that's why they probably signed me up. So, you know, um, and I only played two years. I played there in, when I was 16, it'd be 1936, 37, and 38, I went to Richmond. Didn't make a comeback. Played a double fuck again in 38, I got down to Richmond and made the great mistake there then for. So, you went to Richmond, but you didn't make it for the first year? Um, Sorry, you went to Richmond, but then you came back to Noble Park, did you? No. I went to Richmond and trained in the Mars Champions. All the champions used to think they were champions, try and make the grade and get in the list. Right. And I didn't make it, so I went back to Noble Park and played. My friend wanted to go back and play with Oakland. I said, no, I'm not. Come back to Struggle Town. That's what it's called then. Down to the Preston Struggle Town. So I went back there and stayed there for that 12 months. Yeah. In 1939, I went down and trained again. And I finished up making a list and stayed there all nothing. 
What was Punt Road like in those days? What what was there? Well, to see it now, you not much. <laughs> the only thing you should remember that was the grandstand painted black and black and gold. Yep. That type of thing, and they always had a cricket stand. That time, the, the ground was that bad, and the wet day, the, the mud would be that deep in mud all over it, you know. Oh. You see it today, just to what a great ground. You'll have to play it today. Yeah. But uh, I was one of the troubles with all of the grounds. It's, but it was full, very good ground. It was St Kilda, originally down the junction. Fitzroy was very good. Eston was very good. Richmond was bad. And I just said um, some other ground. We we had to follow. Footscray was very good too. That was a good ground. Hawthorne? Hawthorne was a bug heap like Richmond. <laughs> All those type of things, yeah. One lousy stand sitting up on the side of the ground. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't have had any lockers or anything, would you? Oh, no. That's just put your gear on a nail or something. Oh, they wouldn't have lockers. Oh, we had lockers when I was there, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Number nine, I had the same number as me. We jumped on the back of Basil McCormick's number, I had it is. Yeah. How, did, how did you get number nine? Number Last nine, because I had a half-back flanker, probably. Yeah. And uh, Jackie Cotter played there. But Jack Cotter was number nine. When when Russell uh, McCormick finished, he had number nine. I, I don't know whether Jackie Cotter was number nine, I'm not sure, but I took it after him. And then Noisy took it after me, and all the star players took it. <laughs> you started it. Well, I said that. So, the Jordan had recognised the star player because I give out very, very few compliments when he was coaching. Right. A great coach. So there's something that one of the Jim Malone, who was down there with his friend manager, he said to me the first year he said, we were watching training one night. He said, Polly, I've got, got a coach with Jack Dyer. I said, why'd you ask me a question like that? I said, he won a premiership. What's wrong with that? In 43. That fixed him up. When was the, when was the first time you, you first met Jack? I've seen Jack Dyer. Yeah. I've got my dear wife who's there, an invitation to his wedding. When I was 19, and she came as my girlfriend, <laughs> she's got the original invitation uh, of Jack Guy's wedding uh, when he married Sybil. Uh, that's, I met Jack Guy when they were in 1938. Well, they first met them as coach, and first met about Shedden. He was a thorough gentleman mm. and a very, very great person in my book. They saw him after I left Richmond and he coached Carl. That's right. I see him sometimes. I used to go to the trots. Not a lot, sometimes to put some money on for a chap that's pretty keen putter. And he would see me and he said, Oh, Billy, how are you? Always the same type of boat. Respected me, that type of thing. And I went to his funeral, that type of thing, a person. And I got Jack, I've had a wonderful career with Jack. So, I mean, when, when Perth Bentley left Richmond, did he go? No, he didn't go, Did he ever go back to Richmond? Or? No, no, ever. No, never. never did, did he? No, he came back to coach when he was coaching Carlton. Right, yeah. But he went to Carlton and coached Carlton. Three premiership though, yeah. had a good career. Yeah. He's a very nice fellow. But, he, did, like. but he didn't, he just, he's like he left Richmond and didn't, didn't come back. Well, they got a lot of animosity between yes. him, Dyer's father, more so than Jack. Yeah. Dyer's father was white, couldn't Jack, Jack was going to go to Yarrow yeah. to play out there and coach Yarrow. That's when he stayed at Richmond and Bentley then went 1940 to, to Carlton and that was that. Never come back. Never come back. And what, what, nice did, what did Perth do in his later life? Did he, um, did he have a pub or...? He was a, his, his father had a manufacturing business making Gladstone bags. You know, to carry them bags. And he used to make them, his father. That's right. He worked with him as... It was Sid Bentley and Percy. It might have been another one. Yeah. Either was two brothers. I used to play cricket with Sid down at Burn, the Burnley Oval when I was working in a rich one near the, in the Burble Road, where a roller company was. And just to go and play cricket, play cricket with um, Burnley, practice at cricket, and I'd go home to Noble Park and I'd play cricket at Dandong after that. So, so you did still stay in touch with Bruce Bentley? Oh, over the years, yes, yeah, I had done. Always, always a very nice fellow. It's the Secret Service. <laughs> You're kidding, this isn't. And you can't have that either. I don't want to. No, that's right. <laughs> this is the, the imitation. Yeah. Mr. Perkins, Jellicoe Street? Yep. Jellicoe Street? Noble Park. How long did you live in Noble Park for? As long as I got married. Yeah. 1922 or 1941 when I got married. Mr. Mrs. H. McCasker. It's a pleasure of coming with Mr. W. Perkins and friend. 
I tell you, she was my girlfriend. So she still is my girlfriend. I was going to say, did you marry Richmond? Were you Richmond? No. No. Okay. I didn't football. So they said we're off to Jack Dye's wedding. You thought it? <laughs> she was a lady to be there. Yeah, that was at the Saint Ignatius Church. Yep. What was the centenary? And you went to the centenary hall. Yep. Yeah. Afterwards. Was that nice? Yes. Big dance. Very good. I was going to say. Something I've always treasured. Months of a grudge invitation. Big dance the two of us. Yeah. So that's the original. Gee, it's a lovely, it's a lovely invite, isn't it? It'd be worth a lot of money, that. I bet there isn't another one around. Well, no. I mean, how many people ended up coming to the wedding? Oh, there's a lot of players on the list right now. All the players are there. Yeah. Oh, there was a lot there, but they wouldn't. Uh, well, it's so, so small it would have gone lost and yeah, yeah. so it would have gone lost and you know and misplaced and mm. those things happen with invitations if you don't. That's right. But I've always kept it. In that's it. Yeah. Well, remind you of a wonderful day, obviously. It's a nice little memento. Yeah. Bring back some very, very good memories and some I suppose have been sacred, but it didn't come home some nights. I've been good, one good good and happened when I went to uh, send off the roller company mm. and I had my new car and I had it about a couple of weeks. And I took the wrong turn home, following one of the chapters to be one of the managers, I finished up in the hills. And while I was up there, the uh, E.H. E.J. Holden, um, something happened in the carburetor. I couldn't get it going. Luck happened, I pulled up near a service station right back in the outbox and put us upside there at night till I, they come down this morning, got petrol and called the RAC, they come out and was condenser in the car that had broken down. And that they fixed it up. So then, I had no way ring a net and tell her you had no mobile phone in those days. So anyhow, she worries if I've been lost or got a smash. So those are the things that make sometimes they say, you know, can't be married to a footballer. That's why sometimes Dan doesn't like football. But then there are good times, you know. I wouldn't have been where I am today without football, I don't think. I think I've only been to one football match since... Then I used to go about three quarter time. They'd save me a seat, so all the old barrels. Three quarter time? Half time, three quarter yeah. time. Oh, I couldn't stand it. Very boring. I don't think it's boring. Did you, did you stay friends with that? Sorry, go on. You talk about today not being boring. What do you reckon half the people are staying away? Night football, rugby, and it's, not, it's only keeping off. It's not football anymore. Only keep it it's wrestling. You would never realise in your days that they would have played indoors. <coughs> uh, <laughs> I wonder how it is. I haven't tried that. Yeah, no. Imagine never, in your days that they would have played indoors. Never had anywhere to sit half the time. Out in the fresh air, more in the freezing cold and the rain, and best we enjoy it. Well, it was, would have been standing room a lot of the time, yes, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. that's right, yeah. There was well, a old stand there. We used to have about 30 odd thousand in Richmond, which is 34,000. They pushed a fence set on. Years ago. Yeah. Oh, they used to sit up on top of the trees and on top of the grandstand. And there was only the... And then they eventually built the cricket club where it is today. Those the cricket club yeah. stand. Oh, the cricket club was always... It wasn't as big as what it is today. But well, you got to put the two million got to get for doing Jack Dyer's memorandum, haven't we, for the... Well, did you see in the papers today? They're, they're building for money for the... Oh, I can't remember how much. That's for the players' recreation. I think that. That's correct. That's I don't right. think that's for that dyer show. No, they want to build a uh, in between the stand, yeah. the dyer stand the now, and the uh, social club. Yeah. Yeah, they want to put sort of like a, a swim pool and a gymnasium. I mean, you, you didn't have any of these that's things right. in your days, did you? I oh, know they had a big white bar. Yeah, we had a gymnasium. We had a box, punching ball, one punching ball, and a skippy rope. The only championship to punch ball was Jack, um, Jack Titus. Bang, bang, bang. No one else. They'd go and get in the place of the ball. And they had a skippy round. That's all we had. How many punching balls did you have? One. That was enough. Where was the other one? And uh, did you have a swimming pool? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the bathroom, mate. Two in the bath. They had about two big white bars, huge enamel bars. Two in the bath used to get. No, good showers. And good. then when. Cold uh, showers? I uh, always had hot cold showers. Had the, had the best. Okay, look, it wasn't in the old dark 1920s. This was up in 1939, 38, 39. 
And it improved every day we went in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now, do you remember your first match? Yes, my first match was sitting on the fence against Fitzroy in 1940. Mm -hmm. My 19th man went on the ground and got three quid for going on the ground. That was great. And then that was the only game I played. That season? I think it was late in the season. And my first full game was playing against Collingwood. Uh, in 1940, might have been late 40, I'm not sure. And uh, I picked up Albert Pound and a couple of them smart rovers, and, and I, I enjoyed that. was the first round of both. We went right first day. Billy, I said, it's very good, thank you. It wasn't Polly in those days. It wasn't Polly until about 19, well, 42, I think it started. You, uh, so to come on the ground as a 19th man, someone had to come off injured? Yep. I can't remember who it was now. No, no, but that's how it happened, wasn't it? That's Someone... right, yeah. Somebody got injured. They might have taken off give me a run, I don't know. Like Billy Mick, I just said, look, you missed me. I played 150 games. It's 149. I said, no, it's not. I said, we're on the ground in 1940, I said. I'm 19th man against Fitzroy, and I said, and I played half a game or something. Yeah. That was it. So he said, well, you got credit. I said, no, I didn't, because I only got me to 149, I think. Yeah. I was in the end of state game. I was going to say that, 149. Yeah. Uh, but the first game, you technically played because you came onto the field. Oh, that's right. You probably never got paid unless you were on the ground in those days. No, I yeah. never got paid yeah. unless you went on the ground. You get three quid. If you went on the ground. If you didn't, you got ten bucks for being on the list. That was three quid. Was that a lot? Was that a... Yeah. Oh, it was fair. The, 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 the basic right. wage was about three, three pound five or something. So we've got three pounds, right. and as you have a rum steak of a Saturday night, it wasn't bad. A bit extra at that time. But then when we won our premiership in 1943, we played for 30 shillings to play a game in 1943. 30 shillings, and 30 shillings went in the Provident Fund. That was the best they could have done. But you got that when I started to build this home, which was a lot of money. <laughs> That 150 pounds, it was. Your first, your first full game of football, your first, the one that you probably played the next year, your first full game, did you uh, did you play very well in that game? Oh, the chap that drove me down there used to the ice rink, he said, said, Billy, you went on IJ3 kicks, it wasn't bad then. Did, you, did your family come and watch? Did your family come and watch you play that? I don't think so, no. Yeah. No, no. I'd be on my own that day, mate. First game, I'm sure. I had friends came and, and chaps used to work with they, they used to come watch me to football. The Murphy brothers. Yeah. They used to come and live in Hosey Street, Richmond. Like well, you never on. knew whether you were going to get a game in those days. I used to sit up of a Thursday night. That's right. How did you, how did you find out that you, you were playing? Well, we had on the to wireless. the wireless. On the wireless. How much time before you left the ground? Yeah. Well, later on in years they did. Yeah. But earlier you... You had to listen to the wireless and get the ground on the wireless come and tell you what you were. Some got a job and some didn't, you know. So you're sitting at home on Thursday night. Sitting with the wireless. <sighs> you never knew. Probably three oh, years that was early. Yeah. That was early. But later on you knew. Well, Sometimes we'd go to Mick Canis' cafe in Richmond. Yes. And Maury Fleming and Harry Dyke and Jack Dyer and those would go and sit around the table about picking about six of the better players. Paying Carlton, they took it up there for dinner and tell us what they expect of us on the Saturday. Mm. So then we'd go, go down and catch a train in Richmond, come down the Bentley and get home, that's obvious. When you, when you first came to the club, how did the, how did the older players treat you? Were they. Well, you, because they were such big fellows, yeah. you, so I was overawed by the occasion. You said, Do you call them Mr. or Mr. Yeah. at that time of thing? And then Charlie Cullen is the property steward. That's right. That time into it. No, I used to call. Uh, I used to call first Matty Percy when I went down there. That type of thing. But when I looked, I know a huge man as compared to me being just a narrow, heron gutted fellow, six foot, and about eleven stone nine or something. Because when I played, I played a troll stone nine, so I did put a bit of weight on, probably all muscle, you know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Now. I'm not, not too sure if you remember these matches or not. Do you remember the day that Dick Harris kicked 10 goals at Windy Hill? Yes, I was playing. Yep. You were playing that day? 
Jennings is a semi-final. He didn't kick, kick seven goals, not right, ten. Right, seven, right. Yeah, that was in a semi-final. Semi-final, yeah. What was Winnie Hill? That was at Carlton. Wouldn't be a Carlton because they played the grand finals right. at Carlton. Was we, so it was what was the ground what was that ground like to play on? On that day? Oh well just in general. It was pretty good ground. Yeah. And they had we played there when you remember it very bad when we played the interstate game in nineteen forty six. There was a mud patch then, but other than that it was a pretty good ground. Mm. Only on the outer wing sometimes it was very damp. Mm. Other than that it was a good ground. Do you remember the day uh, that Sal Murray kicked ten against Colton? Do you remember that day? Shell Murray. Yeah. Shell Murray kicked 10 goals for Richmond. Mm. I don't remember that one. No, it was about 1945. Shell Murray. Hey? About 1945. 10 goals. Yeah. I saw it in the record book yesterday. Now, wait a minute. Didn't the full forward for Jimmy Baird kick 10 goals against. Ron Durham right. at Carlton. Right, yes. In that day? I think that was the same, yes. And you reckon that... Well, I don't know if it was the same day, but I, I saw in the record book that Sal Murray kicked 10 goals, I think he might have kicked 10 goals, one against Carlton one day. And I was just wondering if you were aware of if you knew that match at all. I don't remember it. No. 10 goals, one, I don't believe Sal Murray kicked 10 goals. <laughs> you couldn't believe he could kick 10. I reckon the record was wrong. Couldn't kick 10 goals? Shouldn't have been in that book. Oh, look, it might be in that book. I, I, I'm not too sure. Check that. You want another cup of tea? Is that cold? Oh, I've drank it all. I'm fine at the moment. You want another one? Your eyes have had the one, but um, Sal Murray, he would have been here because he, he played with us. He only played two or three seasons. Yeah. Was he? Was he? What kind of player was Sal Murray like? Do you remember? Well, he's a pretty smart player. Yeah. He uh, never, never trained very much. He trained around the golf career, kicking side kick, trying to kick the ball different ways. Mm -hmm. Is that there, Sal Murray? Um, it says, he crossed to Richmond in 1945, yep. when he spent just over a season. Yep. One game for Richmond against Carlton in round seven of 1945, he kicked 10 out of the team's 13 goals. Well, I should remember because I would have been playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, memory's not as good as I thought it was. Unless they dropped you that week. <laughs> no, no. Normally, not a there, there wasn't a player who would normally kick a lot of goals in a match, was there? I mean, uh, you, there wouldn't be. Fred Fanning. Yeah, but I mean, for Richmond, there wasn't oh, no. one guy like I know Titus would have kicked. No, but not. He wouldn't. There wouldn't have been one player who was on the ground who would kick ten or nine all the time. No, particularly I was trying to shave shoes, but Harris, Harris was very good like that, but um, Titus. I don't even remember Titus kicking 10 goals in a game. Who was the most reliable kick? Titus. Oh, that's pretty hard, mate. Most reliable kick, I suppose, um... Like all of Well, not Jack well. Dyer. Yeah. He'd kick them from 35 yards out and he'd kick them all the time. Yeah. But Skinny used to run around the arc like that and go bang. Oh, Jack Titus would probably... He'd be the best player, best forward we had down there. Jack, Skinny Titus. Was he? Was he under half circle and bang him through the middle? How skinny was he? Was he? Was he skinny? He was as big as me. He was about uh, five feet eleven <laughs> and about eleven and a half stone. Yeah. He wasn't a bad little fighter. He used to put the gloves on and give him a punch and bag down the room every Thursday night and punch his way out. He'd be um, a very very good player. He proved himself by the goals he kicked. Kicked twelve hundred goals in me. Something, but he was very, very good. And uh, oh, Dickie Harris was very good too, Hungry Harris. But um, other than that, you know, we've had a lot of brilliant players down at Richmond over that period of time. It's very hard to single a player out and say who's your best players because there's always about five or six who've got the best players. There'd be Dyer, there'd be Harris, there'd be Merritt, there'd be Spring, not Spring, uh, Merritt. Another bloke would be um, Billy Morris, Roy Wright, all them blokes. And if you got the first, first six players at Richmond, you'd be a very good player. And I did that on quite a few occasions, so I was a fair player. Who, 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 was, who was some of the tough players at Richmond? 
Boy, die out. Jack wasn't tough. Jack was hard. Yeah. He wasn't tough. Yeah. I hate the word tough. Right. Um, there's a real solid player as a veteran. Mm. Well, definitely die was that way inclined. Dickie Harris is very clever and very, very smart, ankle tap. And um, Marty Bolger, he played when I was there. Kevin O'Neill. But the real, the real hard players, I suppose Les Jones, Jack's relation in some way, I reckon. He wasn't. His name was Les Jones and he was dying. And uh, <laughs> who else should have been the other hard players? Would have been... Um, Alan Gettys would have been hard. Yes. There was someone else was very big idea. Oh, Les Jones. Les Jones was hard, hard player. And uh, Arthur Kemp, who came from Brunswick to play at Richmond, he was a very good ruck, second ruck down there. He was a very hard, hard type of player. And um, Dickie Chirgren, he was a very hard wing player, that type of thing. But we didn't, there weren't many hard players. They played solid football. But there was no ruthless players in my book. Probably the toughest player down there at that particular time would have been, um, I would say, they weren't a tough player. I reckon they were very hard, solid, aggressive type of players. Harris was that way inclined. Dickie Harris, Les Jones had to go. But we didn't really have many players that took the shirt front. The only shirt front player we had was Dyer. He to do it beautifully, you know, evenly balanced that type of thing. I had to go a few times too, I suppose, but. But I, I, I don't really know if we've got um, humanity really tough players. I mean, a good, very solid team, played together as a unit, all helped each other, backed each other up and top of it. Was, were there many uh, fights on the field? Yes, there were only two or three fights. We had about, I had a photo in the Richmond dressing room, Charlie Culver's room there in the um, sporting club. It went about that long. And it had uh, all the blokes in the fight. They had three big blues. And um, this run started off with uh, Jack. Jack Dyer started to run, got down, and it was with um, South Melbourne country, it was now. But it's quite a few. I mean, Jack Graham used to have a go with Dyer, that type of thing, but big men never clash. With the medium type players that clash, you know, they made the big bumps at top of thing. And in that day, I, got be, I didn't get reported, I should have done, for having a go at the little. Um, Played in a forward pocket rover for um, South Melbourne. And then um, who else got this? About four of us got before the big blue down in the Richmond ground it was. And I'm not kidding you, too, it was. It was up there. In the up was had to come in and try and break it up. Three different blues that started at the same time. So everybody's mates certainly got one to send. I, I'm standing on the photo of me having to go up ready to get punched going. And I didn't let it go, thank goodness I got reported. And my room said, Don't go that fella, you'll get reported. Back me off. But there's a couple of reports in it. Yeah. That was against South Melbourne, actually. Then the main, um, you know, there weren't a lot of blues. We had a big stack up one time out of Essendon. That was a bit rough then. It also happened later on in years, too. Jack Borsock, he got reported when he's playing with us for a kick and Noel Fries from uh, Fitzroy. That was always a tough game there. Normie Hillard and Noel Fries, kicker Fries used to call him. But, um, I in the main, there weren't any really tough games. I thought Aston were very tough. Duffy Plummer played in the back pocket. And he was, he, him and Dickie Harris had a kicker competition. Harris in the forward pocket and Duffy Plummer in the back pocket. That time of There's some very good sides. That, like Aston always, always had a good back line. Duffy Plummer and Wally Butts were at the full centre-half back. And uh, they had the other, uh, Dickie Reynolds' um, brother, Tommy Reynolds. He's a very, very tough player. But in the main, now there weren't a lot of um, occasions during the game you finish up with getting upset by players having a go at you. He likes to line up a couple of other guard. I lined up the chap from uh, Carlton one day and I finished up missing him. And I downed Donnie Fraser and finished up got done my shoulder for four weeks and Fraser was winded. He couldn't run around for about half the game. Did you show that? I said to Fraser, I'll fix up this bloke and then was. Yeah, it was, um, which which team was the uh, what, which team had the big rivalry with Richmond in your days? Oh, I don't think there was much rivalry. Like I mean, it was mainly Carlton. Oh. Carlton and Richmond, because of 
first event and moving over the car, the motor's always going to be on. They thought, and just because the coaches have different opinion players, they're the same way. But they often said, we've got to do this mod, they told me them for the game. So we've got to do this mod. You know, Bentley went over and deserted us. But the matter of Jack Dyer, they're going to Yarraville to coach and play, and, die, and Bentley sang at Richmond. So now something happened in the house. Percy Bentley went to Carlton and Jack stayed at Richmond, coach Richmond. That told me. So there was always a friction between those two sides. Other than that, there wasn't much really savage competition. Esther was a side, because it's a very tough place in Duffy Plum and a few of them blokes, and that sniping up against the type in. So that was always a, a challenge, Esther. And Carlton was always a challenge. Although not, and um, Fitzroy didn't do much, wouldn't be much there either, really. So we'd have a lot of animosity between them sides. Now, can I talk about the 1943 Premiership for a moment? Yeah. What, what do you remember about that, the Premiership day? What do you remember about that day? Well, I remember one, I was among the first best three players, so it wasn't bad, was it? And it was a great game because um, well, there's always pressure all the time. I always thought we could beat them because I always thought we had a different edge in the back line. And we also had Dyer was playing very well on the ball. And we also had a couple of good rovers in Dickie Harris, and we had uh, Larry Merritt on one wing. But a, a very evenly balanced side. And uh, Roy Quinn played centre-half forward, kicked the goal from about 60 yards out, might have been longer out. And um, Jack Titus done his ankle about two weeks, three weeks before the, before the semi-finals, and he couldn't play, Jack Titus. So then we had Dyer and we had Arthur Kemp. They come from Brunswick to play with Richmond. Barkemp was his name, they said, that type of thing. We had Liam out in the wing and um, Bertie Evers on the other wing. And uh, the forward line was Brian Randall, um, Roy Quinn. I feel you played full forward now, I'm not sure. And we had um, Broadside Boys, you know, that's right, don't he? Broadside Boys, he got rubbed out the week before. No, he didn't. He got rubbed out. He played in that one. Dick and him both played in the grand final. Then the other final we played against Fitzroy at St Kilda in 1944. Both Dick House broke down to his anger and Jack Ford took got rubbed out. The punch and hell price of those. Right in front of the Alpies. Then the big game we played that day at Carlton was a very, very good game against Essendon. Real good game. An even game. They beat us the year before. We beat them by five points in that one. It was a very even game. We only won it, we only won it by about five points or something in the grand final. And um, it was a very even game all over the ground. And I was very happy because I had a pretty good day from the half-back flank, and I got a free kick, I shouldn't have got a both said you got, I got a free kick for punching the back, I didn't punch, I dropped my head like this, I got a free kick, and then the ball, I kicked the ball into um, Jack Broadsuck on the half, Jack Broadsuck played in the grand final, yes he did, I kicked to him and he passed to Harris, and Harris went through and he got a goal, and that was a climax, so I thought of my game, anyhow, I was able to consolidate, come to the half-back flank and help you, I had a good day really, where did you go to celebrate? At Richmond football ground, and I put the tables all up, and we all sat around there. And I went down and lived in Hose, went down and stayed the night in Hosey Street, Richmond, with my workmates, Tommy Murphy and Jimmy Murphy. Rang Nance and said, I'm staying the night, that was it. So, anyhow, that was, I went down next morning again, was on again. <laughs> very, very solid session. I got home in the afternoon around about four o'clock. I was all right, I was saved, I think. I wasn't drinking much in those days. I was only 20. Didn't say drink when I was 21. Right. So that was a, well, that was a, a very good game. That was a hard game. And I think we there wasn't much in all the way through in the semi final. And then the next year, grand final. The next year we played Fitzroy down at the junction. Should you have won that? We shouldn't. We got beaten by. I, no, they killed us. Mm -hmm. They um, Jack Dyer kicked seven goals or something in the other one, and this one. He, I think he kicked about three goals. He was three foot goals. He was crook. And they, um, that was a very good game, though. There wasn't much in it, but our wing players got beaten. Leo Merritt got beaten, and so did um, Bertie Edwards, beaten by the Calvary brothers. They playing with Fitzroy. They run the ball across there and kept on running and broke us up that type of thing. But, um, did it surprise you that you lost that game? Like, were you confident? Well, I thought we could have won it, as a matter of fact. And I think a lot of other players did too. But we never played as well as we played in the semi-finals. We played well in the semi-final game. We didn't play that well in the grand final. But they said, no, we lost. But like Broadsock, who's a very brilliant player, ball player, something, and Harris couldn't play because of his 
he'd uh, done his ankle, that got two virtue rovers at the game, that gives them a chance to get into it. But they, we didn't play as well. They had a very good aim at it. I think I was third best player in that game and third best player in the grand final the year before, so I was quite happy with my performance. But they were too good in the day, and the rovers broke down than what we did. I said, how was was in the side, he'd done his angle, and I've done who rode. It wouldn't be Andy Brennan. I've got the premiership book there somewhere. But, um, so you, um, I mean, that was the last time that they played at a, that they played at a premiership for yep, that's right, 67. Yep. So did you, did you think that next year you'll, you'll come back into the grand final again? Well, I thought we would have done, but, um, yeah. Oh, they we, we, we sort of felt a young side. I don't know why we didn't go on with it. Right. Probably, well, four, we finished up in the five, in the four, I think, in 1945. And we did. And we played, we been in the final side up to 1947. We played, we played uh, Fitzroy in 1947 at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. After war was over, that type of thing. And that was the last time we were in the four for quite a few years. I just can't think how long it was, 47. Went in 40, I went in 49, we went in 50. I left in 50, went in Coach Bright in 50. Do you remember Do you remember your last game of football, Bridgewater? Yes, I should remember it pretty well because it um, must have been against Carl. No, I, I did my shoulder in 19, well, I'd done five. We, we set Freddie Stafford up from Carl at the Richmond ground in 19. I thought it was 40s, but I must have been loaded, it must have been in 49 or something. And I, we sent Freddie Stafford up to do him, and he, he fainted, I dropped like that, seen me come and said, In fact, I went straight to, crashed into Fraser, wounded him, knocked him down, yeah. put my hand down the picker up, my shoulder went crap. Right. I just got in my shoulder, I stayed on just after three quarter time. Right. And then I played, must been pretty late in the season because um, I remember getting it right and I played the seconds two games. I said to Jack, I'm ready to come back. He said, Polly, we can't get you in. I said, dude, there's only one more game, 150 games, I think. Right. And I played, and I played the seconds. I didn't. So it must have been happened in 1949 or something, because I didn't play after that season. Done me shoulder. Missed, missed about five games with it, I think. Just to go, to go and get a reset that type of thing, especially in Collins Street. So, um... The last game I remember probably playing the seniors. So was that? So would that have been your last game? Then? When you, when you did your shoulder, or did you come back from that shoulder? Oh no, I come back and yep. played, but to get to you know, I used to have a strap all the time. But um, I, I just can't remember. I know what game I did, Jim, against the Carlton Richmond yep. game, and had about 38,000 people on the ground, around the ground, when I'd done that, mm. and uh, I, I went off the ground. And they said, "What's wrong with you?" I said, "I can't lift my shoulder." It was about twice the size it should have been, and as I just said, "What happened to me, though?" I ran through, and when I knew I missed Freddie Stafford, I dropped my guard like that, and ran straight into Fraser and didn't let me guard up. So I knocked him down, and then that's when I did my shoulder. I dropped if I take my shoulder like I should have done when I was going to bump Stafford, I wouldn't have, I might have knocked Fraser down completely. But I think they're doing damage to my shoulder, and it still goes crack now in the morning when I, I do about 10 of them, it goes crack. Oh. Not about it, but, <laughs> but you knew that you were getting close to the 150 games? I knew I was getting close to it. Oh, yes, um, I guess. Yeah, I would have had a good idea, yeah. yeah sure. Wouldn't have made a difference. I said to Di, look, I think I wanted to go 150. He said, Father, I can't change the size. I'll turn it up. I said, you put so and so in a fortnight ago, not putting me in. Anyhow, didn't get any difference. So did you <laughs> I have never any, got in. Did you have any other injuries apart from that? I had a um, broken. Yeah, I broke that in 1992, 1942, mm. playing out at. Um, what were we playing? Broke your wrist. Your wrist? What's it all your thumb? I can't. See so that one's there. Oh, I can't show the oh, bone oh, there. Broken. Broken and dislocated. Mm. Out of foot square it was. Mm. And, um, I don't know broken. Oh, that's why I was then playing in the ruck when I played at Yarraville that day because I couldn't get a foot square ground. So I joined the Warriors. And I played in the ruck and I was going all right. I went for the ball bang like that. And chap from, um, foot square, come from Geelong, can't be name now. He punched the ball right and so I fell back like that and put my hand down and saved myself and oh. broke and dislocated it. So I still kept on playing. I played the game right out. Oh. But that was out for about uh, four weeks, five weeks. Had to break it and reset it up at Epworth Hospital. 
So it still, still doesn't go right now. Yeah, that was in 1940. Yeah, 40, uh, I'd have been 40, 40, well, I might have been 47. When we played at, uh, we're playing at Yarrow, so I'd be during the war years. Mm. So I don't know, I played, yeah, what else? that was in definitely in 1940. Was yeah, it Yarrow War? Yeah, and that was probably, as I say, I broke it, I was out for five or six weeks. Had to break and reset it. As I come back, they were strapped up with black and easy tape. How many, how many coaches did you have? Just, the, just die? And he had, uh, had Jack Dyer. Jack Dyer. Albert Patton was coached the seconds. Right, yes. And he, he, when Dyer went away, he took over then. But Jack was, I was, you know, I, Percy Bentley, not Percy Bentley, Jack used to coach us for more when we worked. During the war, he used to work shift work, three shifts. And he used to train us on a Tuesday morning or Thursday morning, because we couldn't train a night till an afternoon shift or night shift. And uh, Checker used to coach us there, and then we'd have, um, I had Albie Pound coach the seconds. And he sometimes, when I was away interstate, Albie Pound would coach us then. But first Bentley coached me first in 1939, and Jack Dyer in 1940, from right on to 1950. But Checker Hughes would coach you? Coaches. With some of the players who work at Checker, Checker used to coach us on the ground, Richmond ground, for us. Yeah. Nice play team. He said, don't run around like that, probably run around wider, and they can't catch you. That was all right, too. <laughs> Supposedly he was a very good speaker. He was a very good... Her checker? Yeah. He was. I was, very speaking, good. I was speaking to Frank Hughes, Jr., his son, and uh, he said he was... A very good orator, he was. That's right. Yeah. Checker. Mm. Yeah. Checker Hughes. So when you finished with Richmond, where did you, what, what did you do after, after football? I went and coached Brighton for three years. What was that like, being a coach? coach? Captain coach. <laughs> what was the captain coach like? Well, I very good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I learned a lot too. Mm. I learned a lot by um, listening to Jack Dyer and that type of thing and mm. the boys coaching up a few years, but I was always a very good listener. Right. And I I used to when I was I used to work in a foundry pouring molten metal for all the war years in, in a roller company, pouring molten metal in the foundry. I used to break down the moles down and get cockpit their chest down from rubbish over you from them. Pouring sand, molten metal into moles, gas everywhere, that type of thing. But I used to go down and come on coach Brian for three years. And I um, used to turn, I used, before I used to go down, I used to get in the um, generator room at where I worked in Roller and talk then. So I talked to football, so I educated myself on how to speak to them. I used to be on the Richmond former players, I was a Richmond players representative on the committee. I had to make address and sometimes make comments that former to the committee as a former player, as a player's representative. So I learned a lot of things then. If I wanted to talk myself, I started to talk myself and educate myself to talk to a group. I used to talk to a generator in the generator room because no one else could see me. Well, here you but those are good. So then I went there and I was already in, everybody said, well, Jesus, they're trying the best speech we've heard to tell you, they are very good. But I, I was always a good man, and I just had me, for Christ's sake, shut up and heal all over the bloody ground. This is Jack when I was playing alongside him. And the hell, um, I went there and I coached him for three years. We got him in the semi final, and then the next final, Keith Walburn was playing with Richmond. With uh, Brighton, he went to Carlton, Keith Walburn. Yep. And I took over Keith for three years. I give the seniors away. Mm. And I went and coached at uh, Junior Side Caulfield City, same colour as John, and I coached them. Playing coach for three years on Prince's Oval down, not far off Hawthorne Road. And then I had a chance, I was working, still working for Roller Company, and Georgia Street had a job at Lockhart, Lockhart coaching up there. He played, he went up there and said, Polly, I'm not going to come back, I'm staying up there. Right. And he, I put him for, he must have rung somebody, Bobby Quinter, who's production manager of 3W. He rang me and said, Polly, why don't you come to interview? Because George Smith represented me to go and do the job. He was a good man, go, go and see him. And you know, I got the job in 1956 and stayed in 1984, 85. So 29 years doing around the ground commentary. Good education, though. And the coaching was good. I learned a lot by, by coaching, introduced, interviewing players at Tuffening and trying to lead to them and not being abused at Tuffening. It was very good. And it helped a lot. 
I need to turn around and make notes and go in the room before I went down to coach Brighton so that I wouldn't be a raw bone when I went down there. Do you remember the do you remember any of the speeches that Di gave you, like even before the grand finals or anything like that? <clears throat> any that stood out? Or what would he normally say? What was his He's very inspiring, right? He used to he had a trick. He had the had the training travel down like that. Train it up the oil bottle, I'd rub it down, pump it, have the oil bottle there, and they turn around and get them inspiration on the plate, just go bang and knock the bottle off the table. And so you're listening, you're like, no, but you're so frightened. Hell yeah, I suffer. They didn't realize what he's talking about. I know it's, I suffer, I just go bang. You do a few times. Even in the committee room, you'd have a bottle of oil and I'd go and go bang on the table. But you're listening, you know, and all the players. They're very inspiring, you watch out. Dunk the table and over goes a bottle of oil and end up in his arms. And it's very good. I remember one time one of the speech we were playing down Geelong and they, they hit the front. I was playing full forward on um, Lindsay White because I don't know he was quick by the man Smeet and someone quick. I played full back. We're coming at half time and I think Lindsay kicked three goals. By then we're about two goals behind. Guy got on the, on the um, stool down on the bench down there and had the table and he said, Listen, what happened? He said, Do what Mary said. You think you're out to cry by fishing? He said, pay attention to the game and get on with the game. <laughs> there was one time Jack done as low as he was bang and something. He said, Perkins, you were mad as you think we're out in the right cry away fishing. Lovely. But Jack was very inspiring, all of the things that he used to coach and lecture that type of thing and tell you certain things he wants you to do and make certain you did it, that type of thing. He'd always make certain he didn't get reported. He said to me one day, he said, once you pick up father, you'll be said, do what you like to me, said. Do everything you like, but don't get reported. We're standing at Richmond Ground, it was, and we're nudging each other on top of the and tapping each other to go along the ground. He said, You go two blokes and break this down, he said. I've heard reporting mine, there's nothing sure. That's how bad it was. He kicked three guys up the last time, so Di said, You go on, you go on the ball, never run far. He said, I'll put someone else on there, and the chap come from Connery can every hand me. He, um, I should know his name too. He came and played the half back on Fondle. Fondle kicked another three goals in the second half. So he didn't make a difference to who Jack put on him. He still, we, we got it done. Anyhow, Jack still it just shows, he said. He spoke to him. I said, well, I said to him, why don't you put me on him? He go follow him all around the ground. And this is before he moved me. He said, don't get out there. He said, and then, can't be a name now. I said, let him come and take him over. And I said, well, do you want me to do that, Jack? Put me on the floor with him. And yeah, it didn't happen. I ran on the ball another run, but it's only way to cover Father Hill. Yeah. If he's there one run, and he kicked his shoulders where he was in the forward, half forward flank, and then other coming down the ground from a row, like Rover. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, Jack was very inspiring. He's a love thumping the table at Tottenham League and having go with certain players, but he wasn't critical of many players over a period of time. Do you remember anything before the grand finals or during the grand finals? Very finals. cold and. Methodical, no, he done, did a good, very good job, and he, he, um, he was a good spooker, Jack, done a good job, you know, good talk, and he was very inspiring, as you know, makes any, if he didn't, every time he spoke, he was up on the table, might get the attention, one of the things, but he was very, very good, he, he knew how to cover all yeah, aspects of the game. Did you like to say when you warmed up? No, that's okay, I don't think that very So he, um, yeah, he, he knew how to inspire the side of the top. He played the habit of banging the table type of thing and making get your attention that type of thing. So, Polly, how many times were you reported? Once. I got reported by doing something Dyer should have done, uh -huh. which Dyer did do. <laughs> Dyer, Dyer and Jack Quack both should have got reported down the footscrow one day. We were playing out there on Ambrose Palmer. And you know what happened? They got to Ambrose Palmer and Ambrose was a boxer. Wasn't allowed to punch. So Dyer never got him, and now he could protect because Palmer couldn't put fighting back on Saturday. Jack Crane. Jack wouldn't have to fly anyhow. He was about six foot five and couldn't even punch. Played full back for us. Anyhow, during the game, just before half time, um, in front of Teddy Ellis. Teddy Ellis was playing the centre for Footscray. And he took a mark and run off him, turned around, wanted to run off, and run right through him and downed him. And, Fractured his nose and knocked him out of consciousness, taking him off the ground. And Dumper, I think it was Dumper Allen Coward. Somebody said, Perkins should be ported. 
for pushing what's name in the back. I just said, tell it up. I said, don't give me shoulder. You reported it, which I got reported to go before the tribunal. So now Frank had gone and delegate to the tribunal. He went up with us, he was a barrister solicitor. And he said, I don't know, the tribunal said, why the perfect hell did happen? Got reported for pushing me in the back. I said, listen, I'll run through it with my shoulder and down here. That type of thing, and Frank had gone back me up. I, I got out, didn't even get rubbed out, but they had me up before the tribunal. And they should have got a and training before before they could be reported. I was the only one they picked up. The beautiful puppy went to run off. I was about three or four yards off and I went and sprang and straight down over he went. What is that for? For you. Sorry, oh. you know, that was the uh, only time I got reported. Yeah. And there's a couple of times I probably could have done, but uh, I didn't. Well, what they do is play the very solid player. Mm. I believe in playing the ball, if the man was there, I'd take him too. And those, those things should happen. But uh, oh, football's has changed so much now that, you know, um, you do see some clashes. But they're not as bad as the... These are deliberate today, but when we did it in those days, you know, and they played position football. But today all you're doing is playing in a, a, a group of players, congested all the time. And the number of players, you take the ball to the ground or that, and you don't try and get rid of it, it should be free kick straight away. That is now they all come in, they jump on top and they make sure the game doesn't move any further than that. That's bad for football. Yeah. And bad, look at the injuries you're getting. Well, I was going to say... No, no, I'm right. I was no. going to say, we'll stop the interview there. No, I'll be right. No, I'll go on. We can't do much longer, that's fine. No, no, no. I've asked all the questions I wanted to ask. You've, had, you've asked your I've all. asked all the ones. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there and get Polly. You deserve a cup of coffee. You deserve a cup of tea. Cup of tea or coffee, yeah. I'll, I'll just stop that. I'll do that. Still works.